0: Welcome to That Mom Life. I'm Sarah Jordan. And today I am joined by Meredith Pack. And luckily, Meredith, I feel like you and I have known each other about the entire time you've been with Home of the Innocents. Our paths have constantly crossed back and forth through work from the radio station with Home of the Innocents, which is just wonderful. And you're a mom of three. You have a son, and then you have a set of twins, a boy and a girl. So I knew you were just going to be a perfect fit. Thank you. I'm excited to talk with you today. So you've been with the Home of the Innocents now for, did you say, eight years? Yeah, it
1: was eight years in March, which just seems crazy. <laughs> and what is your official title there? Director of Communications.
0: So I, yes, I'm pretty sure that entire eight years now our paths have crossed. And if people yeah. don't know what the Home of the Innocents is, what does the Home of the Innocents do?
1: So we have three big, we kind of call them like our, our divi- three different divisions. Um, we have our COSER Charities Pediatric Convalescent Center, and that is home to kids who are medically complex. Um, so like they rely on medical technology, around the clock care. Um, so they live their lives a little bit differently, but they're just like all the other kids Um, we have our behavioral health services program. And a part of that is our residential shelter for kids who've been abused, abandoned or neglected. Um, and they live with us. We also have a lot of preventative care that we're working towards. Like that's the new goal with DCBS is preventing kids from being removed from their homes. So that's a big thing that we're working on now. We have some new programs, um, for that. And then, Open Arms Children's Health is our integrated um, pediatric health center. So, we have a pediatrician, dentist, audiology, behavioral health, um, all in one office. And we're really excited because we've partnered with Norton Healthcare, and in October, they will be taking over running Open Arms. Um, and I think that's going to be really beneficial for the community. So, we're excited about that too.
0: You guys do so many amazing things and you have your one campus is like one of the most beautiful places ever. So again, back to why I wanted you on a podcast that was basically the village of mom supporting moms, even through your job. I mean, your company is helping be there for so many children. And it's just phenomenal. Yeah. So let me go in reverse a little
1: bit to figure out how you got to there. Did you grow up in this area? Yeah, I'm from Louisville. I grew up um, around St. Matthews, went to Assumption High School, went to Bowling Green to Western for college, and then came back home. Did you come from a big family or a small family? Uh, I have one sister who is six years older than me, so just the two of us.
0: And did you always think that you would end up coming back to Louisville? Was that a goal? Or I mean, for me, I was always like, I'm never coming back. As soon as I go to college, like I'm going to get out of small town. And then you get to college and you're like, oh, wait, my town's pretty cool. I take that back.
1: (laughs) Right. Um. So Bowling Green was is smaller, of course, and I really loved it there. But Um, with my career path, like at that time I majored in advertising and minored in graphic design. So I was like, okay, I need to go back somewhere bigger. And when I was a senior in college, I actually interviewed for a job in Florida. Um, I did get a job offer, but it didn't end up working out and I didn't go. And I look back and I'm like, okay, well, I'm kind of glad I didn't go. I love being home around my family. My husband's family is just a few hours away. Um, They're from Paintsville, Kentucky. So they're from a small town. And, you know, I grew up in Louisville. We lived in J-Town when we got married, but we've moved to Shelbyville, which is not very far, but it itself is a small town. Um, And we just love being here. And I really love that, like, we're close enough to Louisville. I still work there when now, when I go to Louisville, since the pandemic, I'm home most of the time working remotely. But um I never really said, like, I'm I'm going to go back or I don't want to ever go back to Louisville. But this is just kind of where I ended up. And it's worked out nicely.
0: So when you went to college, is that when you met your husband?
1: <laughs> okay, funny story. So, I love it. Okay, great. We... Cross paths probably hundreds of times he was in a, a fraternity i was in a sorority but it was one of those like definite stereotype things the fraternity he was in i would have never hung out with i tell him that all the time if we had met during college been introduced we would never would have dated um <laughs> <laughs> we actually met i was looking for a job um before the one I have now when I was somewhere else. And he is a recruiter I and mean, he's a recruiter in a different field. But, um, I messaged him on LinkedIn cause I saw him through like a Western Kentucky alumni group. And I was like, Hey, I know you're in a different field, but do you know anyone who recruits in my field? Fast forward, we ended up going to lunch and then we ended up dating. So <laughs> we, we met online, but sort of through college, but it was, it was, we have all these pictures now of like us from the same parties or the same college events, how, and he knows a bunch of my friends. I know his friends. So how we never really got introduced is kind of mind blowing, but it just worked out that way. So how long after college did you guys end up meeting then? Oh, um, let's see. I graduated in '04. we We've been married for nine years. We've been dating for like 10. So it was a while because he didn't live in Louisville, right after college, he moved around like he was in Wisconsin, then he was in Seattle, then he moved back to Lexington, and then he moved to Louisville. So he was kind of all over before we met.
0: So you said you wouldn't have dated, we'll call it the stereotypical fraternity <laughs> brother, which just for the record, there are a ton of amazing fraternity and sorority people.
1: Absolutely. No they knocking. was a wonderful person. Yes, was that fraternity had a bad reputation at the time. So do, I take it you were not in a sorority. No, I was in a sorority. He just was in a fraternity that I didn't really hang around. Oh, so you were
0: in a sorority? Yeah. Oh, so in college, it's funny, because I have, I've had a very similar conversation with my husband. So I met him actually my senior year of college, he had already graduated, he's about four years older than me. And all throughout college, I was like, I'm not joining a sorority. And I don't want to be in a fraternity. And there are so many times where I've like looked back at other pictures, or people would tell me about something. I was like, if we had met at that point in your college career, (laughs) I'm not sure we would have dated. (laughs)
1: A (laughs) hundred percent.
0: And I feel, he's like, well, that's not very nice. I was like, well, you've obviously grown and changed. Although prior to that, I really had barely any experience with the Greek life and me not being Mm -hmm. in the Greek life was not a slight, but when I was at U of L, I was already working full time at the radio station. I had no time to take on anything else. So it was actually really nice because when I did meet him, I was like, and I'm sure your husband is still even the same way. And you may be with your sorority sisters. He had such a solid group of guys and, they were amazing guys totally changed my view on the greek system in general but i mean they i became a sigep sweetheart and they gave me like the shirt even though obviously we were alums at that point at our wedding there was a certain thing they did at the wedding i I, I hate to say chant it's not a chant i think it was a
1: song it's like a but, yes my best friend's husband is a sigep so i and i was in their wedding i remember all of that <laughs> Okay, so see, I totally know what you're talking about.
0: (laughs) So it became this thing where in I mean, heck, he's going golfing with him next week. And he still has what I like to call the wolf pack of friends. And I've never really had I felt that way as a girl where I have, well, we wouldn't have a wolf pack necessarily. But he had that and they were really good guys. We were involved with their alumni for a while. So it's funny you say that because I did have a very similar. Now we got hooked up on a blind date by two of her friends that were married um, they hooked us up together and we went out on a double date and what's funny is that their wedding like there's a picture of us dancing next to each other and everything and I had no oh idea gosh. who he was no That's recollection crazy. of him at all right. um, but later and now they're like the godmother of our children and vice versa so now it's like a happy right. little story she always says that was one of her greatest accomplishments was actually introducing us and being like the cultivator of now a over 10 year marriage three kids yeah. later blah 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 so, so
1: funny there was one girl that I worked with a, it's been a few years ago and uh there was a guy that was a contractor who i met and i was like oh my god they would be so good together and i introduced them they got married they just had a baby and i'm like okay that's my perfect record i'm done i'm never matching anyone else up again see Did that's what she says out? too I'm good <laughs>
0: that's what she said too she's like i've she said i've tried before it never worked i got one i need to stop right there because that's a massive that's accomplishment absolutely <laughs> <laughs> so you and your husband meet and you said you dated for like 5 years
1: prior to getting married. No 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 no. We only dated for like a year. We actually we got married within it was less than a year I think. <laughs> Good for you. You know, you know, right?
0: You do. And I say this repeatedly to people when there's somebody struggling with a relationship and they're just questioning, they just don't know. They don't know where the other person stands. I'm like, it's not it. Like there shouldn't really be. You would know. I mean, Mm -hmm. even though I was only a senior in college, which people were like, I remember when I first got engaged because we knew each other for a year, got engaged. Then we stayed engaged for a year, got married. And there were so many people I remember when I got engaged, they were like, not, they were fake excited for me. I could tell. Cause they were like, you are too young. You were just getting out of college. How do you know? And I'm like, because I knew within a month of dating him.
1: Right. You know, right away.
0: I did. And I mean, now we've are 10 and a half years married and wait, we met in 2008, three kids, almost 13 years together. Like it's okay. Um, Mm I always knew somewhere in my head, I was going to get married younger anyway. So it's like, once we got pregnant, then those same people that were skeptical about me getting married so young were all of a sudden like, Oh my gosh, good for you for being young and having kids and having energy
1: to take care of that. Exactly. That is such a difference. You know, I thought about that before. Like if I had, you know, our parents, I guess it's generational, you know, people wait longer to have kids now. And, um, I think of my parents and my sister who had kids in their 20s, and I didn't have kids till my 30s. And I'm like, reminded now, as I have a six year old and almost five year olds, and I'm like, God, this is why people have kids younger because I'm exhausted.
0: Yes, and that's what those same people told me. You're right. They got married in their mid, they got married in like their early to mid 30s. Didn't have kids until after 35, and so they were the ones that were saying they they were the ones that, of course, looked at me like, um, you got married almost 14 years younger than I did when I got married. And I'm like, well. Yeah, it just is what it is. So now it's funny because we're in a similar life space, even though we're there's a huge difference in age between us, just because our kids are roughly the same age. We all had kids around the same time. But I mean, truly, all of my friends got my close friends from high school and college all got married and started having kids in their mid to late 20s. My -hmm. husband's friends back to the fraternity brothers, they all didn't get married until their 30s. I mean, they're 39 with one year olds and everything like that. And it's just a different way. The pendulum swings. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Although they call
0: me like the baby of the group. And I'm like, come on. I've been around you guys for 10 years. <laughs> I've always and been this age. <laughs> probably, you have the oldest children. but <laughs> <laughs> Yes, exactly. We definitely do. The people that introduced us and us, we have the oldest children in the group. They're over. they still have newborns. I mean, I have an 18 month old, but I mean, right. um, yeah, it's definitely crazy. So mm-hmm. you and your husband met, you get married. And how long after did you have
1: your first? um two years it took us a while to get pregnant with him um i I mean i know for some people it takes a lot longer than this it took us almost a year okay um and then we had lincoln he's our our six-year-old and then after that because it took us so long you know here we were having this conversation oh my gosh we were building a house in shelbyville And I was like, there's a lot going on right now. Maybe I should get, you know, do birth control again. Let's take, make sure let's wait a while. And he said, it took us so long to get pregnant with him. I mean, it's not like you're going to get pregnant right away. It's so funny looking back at this now. So we start trying and literally the first time, We were actually trying. I get pregnant with twins. And I'm like, cool. Glad we were going to wait a while. And it wasn't going to happen. And here we are. Wait, how old was Lincoln? One. They are 19 months apart. Like in a day.
0: So I, my kids
1: are 22
0: months apart. Yeah. But I I can remember at my son's first birthday, I was like, maybe we should start trying. And then it was literally like, bam. But... I mean, with your first time around, if you don't mind me asking, did you have to do any sort of intervention to get pregnant with like a fertility specialist or did it just take about a year?
1: It just took that long. You know, my uh, OB looked at some stuff, you know, I mean, all that kind of stuff that you go through and actually, you know what? I take that back. I think I had to take something to help me ovulate. Uh, I can't remember what that's called. I used to know all of this, and now it's kind of like one of those memories I've blocked out. But I did have to take something because I didn't ovulate regularly. Um, but then once I had that, I think it was just a couple months later. With the twins, I didn't. So, or maybe I did. I don't even remember. I should probably remember these types of things.
0: Well, I mean, that part, I guess, becomes less important to your story because you have the then the babies right there. So yep. You get do, you, do twins run on one of your sides of the family?
1: No. No, no. No. And I think so part of it was hyperovulation because when you get older, that happens. And that's what they said was, what does that mean? I actually don't know what that means. You ovulate more than once. Oh, like in the same month. So I had two eggs. And wow. Yep, exactly. So it just my body was like, here's an extra and I guess we had overachieving children and we (laughs) had two at once.
0: So now you are building a house and you're pregnant with
1: twins. Yeah, uh And we were living with my parents. Mm. (laughs) So the day we found out. Okay. So the night before I had a dream. Now my parents, all of my grandparents have passed away. I had a dream that my mom's parents were sitting in the hospital and both of them were holding a baby. Now the whole time before I had an ultrasound or anything, I was like, I was very nervous because I was like, something feels different. I don't know what's going on. I was really nervous about my appointment. And then I had that dream and I woke up and I was like, oh my God, I'm having twins. I did not say anything to my husband. We go to the appointment. I'm sitting there in the waiting room because I was like, he's going to freak out if I say something. (laughs) So I didn't say anything. So we go in the ultrasound. She does the ultrasound and she was like, here's the baby, blah, blah, blah. And I said, and there's only one, right? And she was like, oh, we do this thing called sweeping the uterus where we look and make sure there's nothing else. And, and then she stops and she goes, it's really funny that you say that. And I was like, why? And she goes, well, here's and she circles. She's like, here's baby A and here's baby B. And I just start laughing because I was like, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> and I was just laughing. And then I started crying and then I was laughing again. And I could see my husband out of the corner of my eye, just like he leaned forward and he put his his head and his hands and he goes, it was, it was in like January. So it had been Christmas and everything. And he said, do you know that part of um, Christmas vacation at the end where they tell him about how he's getting his bonus after he thought he wasn't. And he just falls on the floor and passes out. And we were like, do not pass out. (laughs) He did not, (laughs) but it was just that whole day. I remember everything, but it's also like a fog. You're in like this, 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 State of is this really happening it seems very surreal and it took a while for it to feel like okay we really are having twins so yeah it was crazy and I have to say to one of my best friends Becca she always made jokes before for no reason like there's no reasoning behind it she always made jokes about me having a twins you're gonna have twins you know just like most the most random thing she might remember. I don't. I have no idea where that started. But when that started, after the ultrasound, I went to the bathroom and I messaged her. And I always call her Becca. And I typed out Rebecca, and she was like, "What?" And I said, "There are two." And it was just like this whole. I I blame her for it. Is what I say. We joke about it all the time.
0: So it's funny. So just to make you feel slightly better, not better. Cause I mean, it is what it is. So friends of mine were having fertility struggles. And so they mm-hmm. finally got pregnant with her first. And um, then when she went to go to her checkup um, shortly, after, I, I was, I swear she was like, she had like an eight week old baby. Um, oh, she went in and um, was pregnant with twins naturally.
1: Oh, my goodness!
0: Like literally the first time hopping back on <laughs> found out she was pregnant so she ended up having a baby and twins within the same
1: twelve months that's that's crazy. So if they're within eighteen months or twenty months, maybe it's called Irish triplets. Yes, she has Irish so triplets. she has that I have that. I found some I'm in a couple of like different twin parent groups and I saw the other day on Instagram this woman. Who has three sets of boy-girl triplets? Like what? What? How? I How? No, but I cannot even imagine that. Like it, uh, she's a saint. You know,
0: I, I will say, yeah, that I can't even imagine. That's that's a
1: lot. I have I struggle yeah. with
0: three sometimes, but yeah. you know, it's funny you mentioned the dream part because. Mm-hmm before my first two, I remember very specific, or I guess during, not before, but I remember very specifically this one dream. And I told my husband this on the way to the ultrasound with my son, his, um, he was the only one to carry on the family name. So his grandmother was very concerned about whether or not we were going to have a boy because she wanted to make sure the family name was going to carry on. And I remember having this dream where I all of a sudden like, this sounds so silly, had like x-ray vision and I could see through my belly. And I dreamt that I was having a boy. And I was having a boy. Well, then the next pregnancy with my daughter, Kennedy, I remember having a dream about my grandmother and um, both of my grandmothers had passed away, but it was my one grandmother. And it was not the way her last, the way she last was in a nursing home before she passed. It was when she was still older. What I remember as her heyday when I was growing up and she was like holding a girl and was like holding my daughter and what's, funny about this is that I knew if I was going to have a girl, her middle name was going to be named after her. Mm -hmm. And so like in the dream, she was acknowledging that I had a girl and named her after her. And I told my husband, I was like, I'm gonna have a girl. And I mean, it's just so weird sometimes how you have these dreams. I can't explain them. I mean, pregnancy dreams are crazy as they are. But I mean, like each time I've had a very sure sense of I know what it's going to be even time number three, that was a surprise. It's I'm still like through tears trying to figure out Oh my God, I have a positive pregnancy test. What is going on? And I was like, it's going to be a girl that I know her name. It's going to be this. And my husband's like, what in the world? You're still crying. I was like, I know, but I know what it is. (laughs) Right. <laughs> now i remember very specifically your pregnancy with twins which i know multiples of whether it's twins triplets etc you get into more high-risk situations and i remember you being very you're posting all about this you ended up having yeah. to go on a long bed rest how long mm-hmm. were you on bed
1: rest i was um on hospital bed rest they call it the antepartum unit um for six weeks and that was hard because I had a one-year-old. And um, I think for me, that was probably the hardest part of it. Because at that point, he was our world. Like that was, he was our the only grandchild in town. Thank goodness my parents live very close to the hospital where I was. They helped us so much. Um, my husband had just started a new job and they were able to let him be a little more flexible. He came and worked at the hospital a lot. Some nights he stayed at our house with our son some nights our son stayed with my parents. So it was just a really rough, I mean, gosh, it's boring. Anyway, you're just sitting in the hospital, not my, um, where I work, my boss now really advocated for me and we've gone through some big cultural changes since I've started. Um, we were able to get me a laptop, make it so I could work from the hospital, which obviously is kind of funny within the, la- obviously this last year are everyone that, is administrative almost has been working remotely and it works just fine. And I was able to work from the hospital so I could save that time off for when they were born. Um, so I was basically laid in the bed, but I could get up. So people think that like bed rest means you literally are standing, you're laying in the bed all day and go pee and then you go back to the bed. And it's, it's different for different people. It's, it depends on why you're on bed rest. Like it's very situational. Um, and my, so what happened for me was, um, Ramona's water broke. So they were in their own, they had their own sack and Ramona's water broke. So, but it wasn't like a big gush of having your water break. Like people envision, which is actually what happened with Lincoln. He was born three weeks early and my water broke. Um, But Ramona's water broke and it was just like I was leaking a little bit of fluid and it was the night of my friends threw me a sprinkle and it happened that night. Uh, My friend Becca, I told you about her cousin has twins and she her um, cousin's she had her baby shower first and then her babies were born early and she was like, you know, you never know, just plan it early. And I'm in nothing in my mind was like, Oh yeah, my water is going to break and I'm going to be on bed rest. I was taking it easy. Like I was supposed to, we had moved into our new house. I didn't really do a lot. And then my water breaks and I actually went to the hospital that night. They told me that's not what it was and sent me home. Then, in the middle of the night. I was like, that has to be what this is. I called back, my doctor was on call and she said, "Um, if you can wait till the office is open, wait, if not, if it keeps happening, if there's more leaking, come to labor and delivery. So I did that. And when we got there, she was like, yeah, you are. And the nurse, we were like, when can we go home? And she was like, not till you have this baby. And then I had a panic attack. So that was fun. I mean, because when you have that little of a baby at home, of course you did. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I I was just, well, and I was 28 weeks, like one day passed. So I knew in my brain, I was like, okay, viability or whatever. Um, But I was still terrified. Like the thought of having two babies that small, I knew they were going to have to go to the NICU. And then you're you know, I have anxiety anyway. So my brain is already in overdrive. And then it's like, they're going to go in the NICU. I have a son at home. I have, you know, I have a job, like all of this stuff. It was just like building up and building up because um, I didn't know what was going to happen, basically.
0: I can't imagine feeling mom guilt when you're Mm. doing the best thing for two of your children, but having guilt anyway, because you're right, you have a one-year-old at home. So it's Mm. like, I could, I also struggle with anxieties in that way because my mind is always going a thousand miles an hour, trying yeah. to already build up to all of these things. And it's like, wait a second, if I'm only 28 weeks and I'm going to be stuck here at the hospital, how yeah. am I supposed to do anything?
1: Yeah, well, and and when they first told me, it didn't really register that like, no, you're going to stay here on bed rest. My thought was like, oh my God, they're going to go make me deliver these babies right now and how small oh. they are. But then, you know, also, I think it's like the when you're a nurse and you're someone comes in and is at this, you know, this many weeks and, and their brain is focused on one thing. And so I think the response I got and I don't honestly even remember who that nurse was because it was someone I only saw briefly. I remember all my any partum nurses who I'm still friends with. But it was very much like she was focused on something very important and it was the health of my babies. And I was kind of freaking out. And I think had the response come from someone different or if she had paused and like been like, okay, here's what that means. Here was, what's going to happen. I probably wouldn't have freaked out as much, but in, in that time when something like that is happening, you know, you can't exactly control, the way you're going to perceive what somebody else is saying when her focus was the safety of my kids, I didn't see it that way. So it just made me really nervous. Cause I was like, it's not being explained to me. I don't know what's happening. I'm thinking I'm going to have babies really early right now. And then in reality, I ended up just kind of, you know, laying around for like a month and a half.
0: <laughs> so did you end up and I would assume making be- like friends while in the hospital with the nurses themselves?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, there were just a handful of nurses that worked they so all the nurses that worked in any partum also worked in labor and delivery. And, you know, there's Michelle, Nicole, um Danielle there's like a whole I have like a whole group of them that I'm still friends with on Facebook and stuff who they keep up with the kids and it, may, it you know it also makes me think of like nurses who are in that kind of job who become friends or like people that work at Norton Children's who's become friends with those families that of babies that they take care of it's kind of cool how like all of these moms are connected in that way. And then, like you're saying, it's a village, like I, those people are still part of our life and they keep up with, they knew Lincoln because Lincoln would go run up and down the hall. There would be weeks that I was the only person there. Um, and if there was no one on partum they would close that unit until they had an admission, but it was open, you know, five or six weeks for me. And so i met all the nurses that worked up there i met every single doctor in my ob's office because somebody would come in every day and it was whoever was on call so i knew all of them um you know the doctor the doctor who i had seen regularly the doctor who delivered lincoln And then every other one. So they all knew me. I was apparently like the talk of the NICU because they knew I was coming. They were all just waiting. (laughs) The talk of the labor and delivery because they all knew I was upstairs. So uh, it was kind of like everyone knew who I was when I got down there and was ready to have them. So it was nice to to not go through like someone different every single day. I knew what days the nurses worked. I knew who was going to be there, what shift. And it was really great. Um, It was kind of comforting because you knew the people taking care of you knew your situation um, and you knew what to expect. So it wasn't obviously something that I would wish for anyone, but I was definitely in the right place for their health. And mine was fine. I mean, I'm diabetic. I worked with my endocrinologist Um, And my blood sugars were good. Everything was stable. They did not have any risks for me. Um, It was basically growing the twins to get them to um, a good, you know, gestational age before I had them.
0: You you were at Norton Women and Children's, right?
1: No, actually, I was at Baptist East. Oh, I guess it's Baptist Health now.
0: Yes. I only know uh, two people that I've ever had to go on bed rest for a long period of time. One of my old coworkers, she ended up um, similar thing like her water broke and she was only 24 weeks. Mm, And she was not pregnant with twins. But she ended up going and she was doing like her shows, like her radio shows from the hospital. She ended up having him at 28 weeks exactly. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the smallest they'd ever had. And he's, he's fine now. Um, but I have after like going through that with her because she was working there at the time. And now her and I have podcasted about it too. I mean, it's just absolutely mm-hmm. unbelievable. And I think that one of the false, I I never had like my water truly break, like you were discussing. And I think that's one of those mm-hmm. things that like you assume it's going to be like what they show in the movies where it's like gushing water everywhere. Right. And right. Uh, I ne- is
1: that the experience you did have with your first? No, actually, um I don't I, I don't want to say gushing. We um had just finished a movie. If we had gone out to dinner with my mom and my aunt, my cousin and my mom who I saw all the time. She looked at me when we walked in dinner and she was like, whoa, you have dropped. And I was still three weeks away from my due date. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever. Right. Okay. It feels the same. Just uncomfortable. And we were joking because my other cousin had a baby. This like a a third cousin, one cousin was there and there is a third cousin who had recently had a baby. And the cousin who was there was saying how she was looking for a babysitter for something that weekend. And I was like, well, if we were around, we could do it. But I don't even remember what was going on, what we had planned. And she was like, well, maybe not. What if you're going to have a baby this weekend? And I kind of laughed her off. And then that night we watched a movie and came upstairs and it was like 10 o'clock and I sat down on the couch and I jumped up because I don't even, if if it hasn't happened to you, I don't know if I would, how I'm describing it right. But like, Women sometimes know like if you pee a little bit, you know what that feels like. Well, this was like there was liquid, but I was not peeing like and I'm like, that has to be what this is. So I ran to the bathroom, sat on the toilet. I was like, bring me my phone. I need to call labor and delivery. And my husband was in denial. He was like, there's no way that's not what's happening. So he starts Googling. Oh, God. What people mistake it for and all this stuff. And I was like, just bring me my phone so I can call. So I call. And I will say if anyone is listening and they need any tip about if their water breaks, this is the best thing he found during his little Google excursion. If your water breaks take like, if you pre buy like the pads that you need afterwards, right. Put a pad in your underwear because when your water breaks, it's not like a gush. Like it's a little bit of fluid depending on like how you're moving, how the baby's moving. Fluid keeps coming out. So I put in a pad and like, As we were going to the hospital, in the van, when I would get out to walk, I would feel it again. But I had that pad on, so I wasn't like soaking through everything, which was genius. So, yeah.
0: So, it's funny because... I never, I say that I never had my water break, but with my Mm -hmm. second, I also got induced all three times, but on my second daughter, I had a ton of Braxton Hicks and everything. And I went in, I took off like four days before I was going to have the baby. And I was like, I'm going to go get a prenatal massage because I was determined to go into labor naturally. I wanted to have a natural labor. I didn't want to see, I didn't, well, I didn't want an epidural. Um, Mm -hmm. I've never had a C-section, but I didn't even want an epidural. And I was like, this is great. So I went and had a prenatal massage. And when I stood up from the prenatal massage, I felt something like trickle out. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't just pee. And I remember calling my friend who was a labor and delivery nurse. I don't know why I didn't call my OB in this situation, but I called her cause she was a labor and delivery <laughs> nurse anyway. And I said, Hey, I felt this, but I, I know, it, I know I wasn't peeing myself, but I I haven't felt it since. And she was like, well, if it's your water, it will continue leaking. But if it's not, then it must've just been whatever. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, it didn't keep doing it. So then when I went in to get induced, Mm -hmm. I I I, I was actually already in early labor. And then when I went in, I jokingly told the doctor, I was like, I have a sinus infection and I'm just like, I can barely breathe and I'm supposed to deliver a baby. And she was like, well, you can technically go home if you want to. We're inducing. And then she looked and she was like, you have a tear in your water. Did you know that? And I was like, is that what that was? <laughs> and yeah, she was yeah. like, yeah. She's like, you're not going home at all. Because apparently yeah. I had torn it that day and probably should have had the baby that day. But mm-hmm. it like, however she rolled or whatever, it stopped.
1: That's what happened with me. Yeah. With the twins and, anyway.
0: Yeah. So I had no idea. And I mean, I want to say like, this is probably almost five days in between that I this started happening and when I actually went in. And so I was like, holy crap. So you're right. I mean, I technically have helped my felt my water before. And it's not like all of a sudden someone just drops a water balloon out of you. um, When I when the only time I experienced it. So I'm glad you just described that too. Because I think that's definitely a misconception about like your water breaking in general. So you ended up having the babies when they were 34 weeks, 33 weeks, exactly. 33.
1: 34 was our, we kept making different goals. It was like 30 weeks is our goal. Then 31, like, it was like every week was a new goal. Um, And 33 weeks, so the night before, or the afternoon before. So there were a couple occasions during my time on bed rest where we would call it a little gush. Which means like, okay, so some days I would leak a little bit. Some days nothing would happen, but like they were trying to keep me resting and still as possible. Um, so that I would not have a lot of fluid coming out. And some, you know, sometimes it would be like if I rolled to the right and she moved, like you had the little tear, it would just liquid would come out. Sometimes it would be if I sat up, you know, it just depended on where she was and where I was. And, um, So that afternoon, there had been a couple times where it was like a kind of what we would call a gush of fluid would come out, but they would check. They would check every Monday. I had an ultrasound and they checked my fluid levels for each of them. They were never to the point where they were so low that they needed me to deliver. So um, they were always fine, which blew my mind like that. I learned also, these are all the things about pregnancy you don't ever know. People don't ever teach you about like your body continues to make more quote water, like more of that fluid, amniotic fluid. Um, so their, their levels were good. And then the day before I had like a gush of it and she said, okay, um, if you, have it happen again. Cause we're getting close to your date. We might have to take you to labor and delivery. And I was like, okay. Then that afternoon I got up to go to the bathroom and it happened again. And I was the only person on that floor. So I said to my husband, I was like, call the nurse. Like he basically opened the door and like said her name and there she was. <laughs> and she was like, what's happening. And I said, I think I need to go downstairs. And she checked and she was like, yeah, I think you're right. And um, the funny thing was, The antipartum unit when I was there, I don't know if it still is, was up on what used to be the pediatric floor of Baptist East. Um, And they had these built in like closets with drawers underneath the entire time that we were there. We didn't really put much in there. And he had gone home to get some stuff for the last week. And he was like, you know what, for this last week, I'm going to use these drawers. I was like, "Okay." so he's literally unpacking his stuff, as I'm saying. Okay, no, we have to go downstairs, so stop unpacking. And we had to load all of our stuff onto a cart. And we had been there for so long. Like, people had brought me snacks and food. We had a fridge. People had brought me stuff to do. So we had an overflowing cart of things to take downstairs to labor and delivery. We took it all down there. Um, and they kept me pregnant overnight, had me lay still. Like, And at that point, it was like they have to bring you a bedpan. You're not getting out of the bed or you're really going to go into labor. Um, And I was having contractions, but I'd been having contractions and I didn't really feel them. Um, So they kept me pregnant until the next morning because my doctor who I was going to have deliver was on call at 7am. So Mm. basically for 12 hours, I laid around because I was like, I really want her to do it. I was very determined. I had a natural, I had a vaginal birth with my first, I did have an epidural, but deliver delivered him vaginally with the twins I said unless they are in danger or I am in danger I would like to try to have them vaginally and they were like absolutely you know I support that you can we can try it because my nightmare in my brain was have one naturally something happen emergency c-section for the second because then you're healing from a vaginal birth you're healing from a c-section and you have two babies that was like the nightmare scenario And I know people that's happened to. So um, you deliver in the OR when you have twins, even if you're not having a C-section, just in case something like that happens and you have to have one. So basically, I was wheeled down um, and I delivered them both. vaginally. I did not have to have a C-section.
0: That's amazing. Honestly, I don't think I've ever, I haven't really talked to anybody who's had twins that that is Did not section. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's wonderful. And I mean, obviously you do what's best. And in the moment you, you d- get Absolutely. them out and keep them safe, keep the p- mom yes. safe, et cetera. Um, but the fact that you actually got to, after you laid in bed for how long and had a birth plan in mind, I cannot imagine living in a hospital for that long a period of time, being the only one on the floor. Sometimes, I mean, no wonder why you have close friends that are still from there. You didn't, you could do nothing but be there. Right. I mean, I just with them. <laughs> and then yeah. your husband's like between there and I think what your parents chimed in and then you had your one-year-old and everything. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, you know, I was able to have visitors and stuff and I thought about that during the pandemic, like not like, not to mention just like people who are sick in general and in the hospital or whether they had COVID or not and couldn't have visitors or if they were in the, at the end of their life and couldn't have visitors. But like someone like me, if I had been on hospital bed rest, you couldn't even have a visitor during the pandemic So, like, that was what saved me. My friends coming to see me, people from work, like, got us meals. Somebody from my husband's office did, like, a food train, and people would order food and have it sent to us or bring it to us. And I can't imagine if I had to just be in that room. My husband couldn't come visit. I couldn't see my kid, my parents, my sister, like, if none of my friends, that would have been horrible. I mean, it's bad enough you know, with having anxiety, but like, I think, I think I feel like we're at a a point. People keep saying, can we normalize mental health? Can we normalize anxiety? I feel like maybe it's just the people I'm around. I'm there. Like it's normal. We all talk about it, especially at the home with all the kids that we take care of and things that they've been through. We all have our stuff. Um, And that's one of those things that like sticks with you is something I have been through. And then imagine going through it at this level and how different that would be. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's crazy to even think about making through all that.
0: I've had several friends have babies within the last year, and not to the situation you did, and it, uh, definitely you're the. I think you're the only one I've actually ever spoken to that has been in the hospital for six weeks for bed rest like that. But I mean, the, in a lot of ways, they, they, none of them had to go without having their husband there or anything like that. And especially right. people who had babies towards the fall, they even had like their mom there too. They were allowed too, yeah. but. Yeah. I can't imagine being in your situation and not being able to have visitors. That mm-hmm. would be I. There's no Netflix or streaming service that would ever fix right. no something like that. Yeah. A lot of yeah. people had actually said that one. You get out of the hospital a lot faster because they're trying to move people through the hospital faster. As obviously, if you're okay, um, right. but then. They've also said it's been really nice to actually have time to relax and just be the new family unit. Because, I mean, after my first, there was probably 30 people through there in the first day. And I was on, like, 30 hours of being awake, three Mm -hmm. hours of pushing. And I remember my husband passing out next to me while visitors are coming in. And I'm like, you can't pass out. Um, So, I mean, I think there's been a silver lining in a lot of it, but also, I mean, it's just crazy in general. So... I listened
1: to, sorry, I listened to the, um, the podcast you did with Rochelle, because Rochelle and I used to work together, and you were talking about that, and I thought, you know, when I had Lincoln, it was the same thing, I was in labor for 28 hours, he was born in the middle of the night, I barely slept, and then it was like first thing in the morning, here come all these visitors to come see him, which of course, like I get it. I've been there. I've wanted to come see the new baby and everything, but I was thinking back and I'm like, I was so incredibly exhausted. Like I had been awake for like two days, nothing like I hadn't gotten to rest. And here's all these people all day long coming to see the baby. I'm trying to figure out breastfeeding. I'm trying to, like you said, you feel like you're entertaining and it's, you've just gone through this major thing, giving birth. And then thinking about it during, COVID when people couldn't do that. Now, my other best friend, Allison, and this is where things get even crazier. She just had twins a month ago. Um, and she is like, when I say best friend, like we both live in Shelbyville. We went to high school together. We were roommates in college. We're very close. She has a daughter who is going to be in second grade. And then she got pregnant with twins after she went through all of that with me she helped us with the babies. She helped us when they were toddlers. And I'm like, okay, well, now it's my turn to help you. And like it comes back around. But when, and hers were also in the NICU. But the thing about that we thought about was like, how nice is it that you don't have to worry about a visitor coming to see. And I had that with the twins since they were in the NICU that we only were allowed to have a certain number of guests at a time. And it was up to us how many, who it who it was. We kept it very limited to like, you know, grandparents, aunts and uncles. Um, and I think, you know, like a couple of my closest friends, but it was like one person at a time. After you have a baby and the baby goes to the NICU in my case, anyway, there were no visitors. Like I delivered the twins, and I was wheeled back to my labor and delivery room, and my mom and my sister were there because it had been. It was late at night. It was. They were born at ten twenty-five and ten thirty and or 1020 or 1025 what a horrible mother thing to not remember anyway listen they start blurring together it's fine there's three of them but um, my mom and my sister left to go get a drink like at the gas station came back before they were even back They left when they wheeled me to the OR. Before they were even back, I had already texted them they were born. That's the other thing. When you have a baby and then they take your babies over and they're checking them and then taking them to the NICU, you're not, like, holding them on your chest and stuff. So I'm just, like, laying there on my phone and my aunt texted me and checked on me. And she was like, I really hope this is Devin texting me back. I was like, nope, I'm just laying here getting – you know, getting stitched up and just sitting here waiting to go back to my room. So I was the one texting my own family. So it's so it was it was very surreal to think, okay, I just gave birth because the babies are gone up to the NICU. And I'm just laying in this bed and I didn't see them until the next morning. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But I did get to sleep that night. Like it was very different. My, my experiences are very different with Lincoln. I didn't sleep with them. I got to sleep that night. Now the nights after where you have to get up and pump in the middle of the night, cause they need breast milk and all that. And now that was a different story. <laughs> Life from that point, there wasn't a lot of sleeping. We're getting better now, but, um, at, at, the experiences in the hospital were very different. Like it wasn't like you have your baby and now people come and congratulate you. It was just me and my mom and my sister and my husband and then my mom and my sister left to go home. And so it was just the two of us and I got wheeled back up to another room and that was it. It was, it was just a very different experience. Like everyone has, you know, just from birth to birth, not to mention from like one mom to another mom. So it's just kind of crazy to think that people are kind of wowed whenever they hear, you know, when I kind of go through this whole story that I've given you and to me, it's just kind of like, I don't know, To me, it happened and it was just like, you know, people when something happens to you, like I'm diabetic and people will say, I don't know how you do that every day. I don't know how you give yourself a shot. I do, because if I didn't do that, I would die. Like, I just have to do it. There's nothing to be like, oh, my God, about kind of like the twins. Oh, my God, you're having twins. I don't know how you do it. Well, I have no choice. They are my children. Like, what do you mean? I this it's just life that's the way it is I think that a lot of times
0: if it's funny you you remind me in a way when you're in something and you just have to do it you push through and sometimes mm. you can look back and go how in the world did I just get through that there's no way I could do that right now even right. though there are times based on being a type A anxiety ridden person, right. you sometimes can see every single step you need to take to get somewhere. And it's like, yeah. I how am I ever going to get there? I have all of these things to do. Look at this yeah. giant picture that we have to yeah. get done. And you have to simply start at step one, which again, yeah. if you're struggling with anxiety and being type A, it's really hard sometimes just to focus on step one because you can yeah. see steps one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten to whatever many there mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when you're in sometimes the hardest of moments there is no looking ahead it is only right now and I mean take the last year of the pandemic I mean I had a newborn at home three kids at home all together working from home losing half the staff and it's like I don't know how I'm gonna do this and I remember literally saying to my husband this morning I'm like how did we just get through that and it's like I agree with you. You, you di- Dealing with diabetes. Of course, someone without diabetes would look at you and go, I don't know how do they do that. But for right. you, there is no option. You don't even think don't that know. way anymore.
1: No way. Uh, you know, the, the two things that stick out for me that, you know, I don't even remember where I heard this. I think when actually, you know, I do remember um, Emily Wexler McKay, I believe is her name. She used to own the diaper fairy cottage yes. in the Highlands. And she passed away. She had um, she had cancer. But I've had, I've had three guests bring her up to me. Oh God, she was she's an amazing person. She was. She was so wonderful. I found her when Lincoln was a baby and I went to a mom support group. There was a whole I mean, she was the most wonderful person. Everyone there was so supportive. The one big thing that stood out for me was no matter how much whatever you were going through sucked. Teething, um, not sleeping at night, et cetera, et cetera like all that, anything that's going on that's horrible, you know, potty training issues, troubles with your spouse, troubles with your kids and discipline and whatever, it's not permanent. And the number of times I have said that throughout Lincoln's life, the twins' lives, it's not permanent. And that is the same if, you know, when I was younger and you would go to a shower, what advice would you give mom? I never knew, but that is my thing now. It is not permanent no matter what their age is whether they're a baby a toddler a high schooler Whatever is going on right now that feels so horrible. It's not going to last forever Now yes, maybe it will become something worse or something totally different that you have other anxiety or mom guilt about But this current thing that you're stressing about is gonna end it it will end You will move on from it Life will continue and everything will work out that and when you think of that this whole last year brought big light to this and people will be like you know you never know what someone else is going through we are all in the same storm we're just in and i can't, i think of it like on the ocean we're all in the same hurricane together but everybody's boat is different my boat has three kids my friend's boat has one kid mine has you know somebody else has a parent with a, the, at the end of their life that they can't see plus their kids somebody else isn't even married and doesn't have kids but like It doesn't mean your situation is harder. Like everyone is going through their stuff. And I've really tried, you know, I started a little Facebook group with my friends that's kind of grown and it's just like real life. It's not this cute Pinterest life. It's my house is trashed. I'm focusing on this. We have 9000 house projects going on. It's a really busy time at work but everyone's going through stuff like that and it's okay. And I feel like that's the good side of social media during a pandemic is we can all see in that way that even though you might feel like you're alone, you're totally not. You've got friends, you've got supports, but you, you know, you got to kind of speak up sometimes it's okay to say, Hey, guess what? My life's not perfect. Guess what? My house has been full of clean laundry all over the couch for two weeks because I haven't had time to fold it and put it away, but it's fine. We'll get to it at some point.
0: (laughs) I completely agree with you. I mean, that's kind of one of those things I've had to learn too. I've been at home and my husband's been going to the office the whole time. So we have completely different Mm -hmm. perspectives Mm -hmm. and it's funny because all he wants to do is get back home and stay home. And all I want to do sometimes is get out. And I want to be able to leave and think and not be distracted and focus on one thing at a time, which is nearly impossible to do when you've got kids running around in the same place in which you're working from home. So, I mean, I I do agree with you. I think it's brought to light a lot of ways. And I like the way you said that we're all weathering the same storm. It's just the boat we're in is different. Um, Mm -hmm. it, It is comforting to know we're in that storm together, but that doesn't make this experiences, all the same whatsoever. Similar, there's a similar vibe that's never been there before. So um, it's it's just an absolutely crazy time, but I'm so glad that you're still over there. And I know I hear my baby in the background. I've heard your baby in the background. And I'm glad we've all learned to give each other that grace of, hey, guess what? We are at home. You're going to hear my kids. You're going to hear my dog. You're going to hear something going on outside. My internet's going to drop out. I mean... (laughs)
1: Right. It's made us remember that like the people we work with are human and they've got a life outside of their job. Exactly. We, we do. And like,
0: I, I hope that at the end of when we, everyone, everything gets back open, it may not be in the same capacity or look the same or hybrid versions of it. I hope more people are more cognizant of that work-life balance now that they've gotten to see behind the curtain and see what people are dealing with. Because just because we won't, be necessarily always working in the home that doesn't mean part of our brain isn't always in that house Definitely. so well Meredith, thank you so much and i'm so glad we were able thank to you. connect today and i can't wait till i can see you in person yet again and thank, thank you again you. so much for what you do at the home of the innocence as well because it actually yes, is one of my absolutely favorite places in the city with what you all do for everyone so thank you so much and i will hug you soon yes <laughs> i can't wait